right. We are moving forward into the third week of our series, Not Today, Satan. Have you been encouraged by the series so far? Amen. Okay. We still have uh, two messages here to go, so really believing that God is building a foundation for us to stand upon the truth of his word and to really believe that we can combat the spiritual attacks in our lives. I trust that you're actually becoming more discerning as we study these case studies from the book of Acts together. So this morning, we look at a man who is, whose name is Elemis. And the scripture comes from Acts 13, chapter, uh, verses 4 to 12. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's word? Acts 13, verses 4 to 12. The scripture is on the screen behind me. Would you join me in reading in one voice? The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis... They proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. And they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. And there they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. Will all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed. For he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word for Acts 13 that is speaking to our hearts today. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would teach us, Lord. Teach us how to rebuke the enemy. Teach us how to have authority in the name of Jesus. Teach us, Lord, how to share the gospel in the midst of hostility. Even when it is not welcome, Lord, I pray that we as a church would be strong and bold and courageous, that we would not be terrified or dismayed. Why? Because the Lord our God is with us wherever we go and in whatever we do. So Lord, we're asking for empowerment from on high. Lord, we're asking for boldness to step out in faith and to deal and confront with these demonic things. So, Lord, I pray that you'd be present in this room today. Lord, we pray that your peace would move among the hearts of your people. Even at the end of the service, when we have an opportunity for prayer, I pray that your presence would permeate this place, that you would meet people, and that you would deliver them and set them free. That's what you've been doing over these past weeks, and we celebrate the ways you've been working in people's lives. 
And so, Father, this morning I declare my need for you. I need fresh empowerment from the Holy Spirit. I need to be full of the Holy Spirit in order for this message to have any meaning. So, Father, I pray that you'd anoint my lips for the task. I need you. And so we ask for your blessing this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Luke is a masterful writer under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And in both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, you can see not only his orderliness of account, but you can also appreciate his masterful communication about key people and key events. That's what we're tracing in the book of Acts, key people and key events. Acts 13 is one of those pivotal chapters in the development of Christian identity, who we are in Jesus Christ. In particular, Luke is very specific about people's names. And so as we study the scripture this morning, we find both Jewish and Greek names for several key characters. Now let's begin this morning by looking at the main character, Elemis. Elemis. Now Bar-Jesus was his Jewish name, and Elemis was his Greek name. He had two names. Now, Jesus, of course, it was a common name around that time among Jewish people, but it is obviously the same name as the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ. Now, Jesus was a powerful prophet. We know that to be true, but Bar-Jesus is said to be a powerful false prophet. He was not a faithful Jew, but he was born a Jew. Furthermore, the word bar actually means son of. So bar Jesus means son of Jesus. And do you think that's a coincidence? I don't think so. That is intentional. You know, this is a blatant challenge from a follower of Satan to any follower of Jesus. Now, let's look at another person. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. And we're reminded that his Jewish name was Saul, And his Greek name was Paul. And when identified as Saul, we are reminded of his former way of life and his persecution of the church. But when identified by Paul, we are reminded of the transformation that took place in his life and his calling to be an apostle to the Gentile world. And so we have this showdown between Saul, Paul, and Bar-Jesus, Elemis, And it represents both Jewish and Gentile identities. Now let's take a look at one last character. His name is Sergius Paulus. He's the proconsul. And I'm not sure if you saw this immediately in the text, but Sergius Paulus and Paul of Tarsus, they share the same name, Paulus. And this similarity might foreshadow to us which side will win this spiritual battle. Guess what? It's not Elemis, but it's Paul. That's good news. So this morning, I want to prepare you by sharing three thoughts about what to expect when sharing the gospel with others drawn directly from Acts 13 verses 4 to 12. The first point is this. If you're taking down notes, you can write this down. Expect resistance. Expect resistance. Verses 6 to 8. The scripture says they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. And there they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. 
But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. This morning we, read to, we need to really see Elymas for who he really was. You know, by occupation, he was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus, but by possession, he was also known by a secular title. He was a sorcerer and a spiritual title that he was a false prophet. So we're dealing with a little bit more than meets the eye. It's important to recognize that Satan often gives people multiple assignments, that they might look one way to you, but in reality, they're actually up to no good doing something else. There are people we encounter along the way who seem like everyday people until we start to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Suddenly, something happens in their spirit and they get irritated and they become triggered by the gospel, just like Elymas was. And if there is no resistance around you, maybe it's because you're not perceived as a threat to Satan. It's a good question to ask yourself. Am I a threat to Satan? Sergius Paulus was described as an intelligent man, for he wanted to hear the word of God for himself before drawing his conclusions. Now, he exhibited a curiosity. He exhibited an openness to the things of God, and that's really good. But when it comes to sharing the gospel with someone, my friends, we should expect resistance. Don't be naive. Don't think it's going to be easy, that it's going to be so simple. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Okay, I accept. It's not that quick. Oftentimes, it's a struggle. Satan is never happy when we're on mission. He will send someone or he will send something to counterattack you. And that doesn't mean you and I have to be afraid. Instead, it just means that we have to see it coming and not be surprised when it comes. In fact, resistance can be a source of confirmation. So when Satan is irritated, it means that Christians are on the offense instead of the defense. Now, let me just stop there for a moment. Oftentimes, we are just trying to stand up and stay standing. And we have the armor of God upon us, and we're able to take some shots and not let them penetrate our, our organs or our, our vital places. But all we're doing is just playing defense. But what God is calling us to do through spiritual warfare is to actually fight with some offense in our lives. That we start to swing the sword of the Spirit and take some ground that was stolen from us. Instead of always moving backwards, what if we were advancing forwards and moving the kingdom of God forward? We need to gain ground instead of lose ground. Elymas directly opposed Barnabas and Saul. And how exactly did he do this? Well, the proconsul had sent for these two true prophets. You remember in Acts 13 that Saul and Barnabas were among the prophets, but then they were set apart from the prophets to now be apostles to the Gentiles. And so these two true prophets would be going to where Sergius Paulus was staying. But as the attendant likely responsible for setting up this meeting, here is Elymas hindering the meeting between Sergius Paulus and Barnabas and Saul from taking place. In other words, this guy is standing in the way. This guy is creating a barrier between the gospel and Sergius Paulus. 
Elemis also tried to dissuade the proconsul from faith. How exactly did he do this? He reversed roles by advising the proconsul instead of taking orders from the proconsul. He exuded leadership in this moment, unhealthy leadership, and he likely tried to use some sorcery on the proconsul or to give him some false prophecies. You know what? I'm hearing something from God out there. These guys are up to no good. Don't listen to them. Don't meet with them. It's not good for you. And he could be going through all these motions of sorcery and false prophecy. But friends, today we are called to evangelize. And we are called to help in the expansion of the kingdom. And some of us fail to do so because of one reason. We fear Satan. We fear him. But friends, obedience to God means resistance from Satan. You have to expect that he's going to get bothered. He's going to get annoyed. He's going to be irritated when you're on mission and doing exactly what God has called you to do. But thank God we never do it alone. Thank God we always do it in the power that God provides. Thank God we always go with the Lord. Secondly, this morning, prepare to rebuke. Prepare to rebuke. We see this in verse 9 to 11. Scripture says, Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time and even able to, and not able to see the light of the sun. And immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. It's important to note how Saul took spiritual authority when addressing Elemis. The Apostle Paul looked straight in Elemis's eyes. I think this is really important. This is, a best, this is a best practice in deliverance ministry, that when you're dealing with something satanic and demonic, you look that person straight in the eyes. He discerned that he was speaking not just to Elemis, but to an evil spirit possessing Elemis. You know, I was reading in my devotions just yesterday, and I was reading in uh, Mark 16. It was talking about Mary Magdalene, a lady from whom seven spirits were expelled. Seven spirits inhabiting this one lady. And she was freed by Jesus to never have anything else reside in her but God. It could be one spirit. It could be many spirits. We don't know. But he discerned in that moment that it was more than just this guy named LMS. There is something wicked and evil inside of him. He was able to rebuke Elemis in this way because why? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is another best practice for deliverance ministry. Friends, you and I, if we're ever going to engage in something uh, that is spiritual warfare, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Not just a little bit, full, full of the Holy Spirit. When you engage in spiritual warfare, it is the Holy Spirit versus the evil spirit or spirits. And if you're not full of the Spirit, my friends, you are guaranteed that you will lose. But if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, friends, you are guaranteed that you will win. You will win. Now, there are four things that were included in the Apostle Paul's rebuke 
of Elemis. I want you to see a few things in the text. The first is that he says to him, you are a child of the devil. You're a child of the devil. Pretty harsh words. Now, some of us might read this and think of it as a curse, but it was a clear statement of the facts. We are all children of someone. Here, even on this Father's Day, we're reflecting on the fact that we're all children of someone. We all have a father. And we know this physically, but what about spiritually? You can either be a child of God or you can be a child of Satan. There's only two options. And last week, I referred to 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, and I want to refer to it again today. The scripture says, this is how we know who, are the children of, who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Now, it is clear to us which side Elemis had chosen. He was not a child of God. He was a child of Satan. And the Apostle Paul then addressed Elemis according to which family he belonged. For we do not address children of God as children of evil, of the devil, or the children of the devil as children of God. We are also unable to say that all people are children of God, even though they're made by God and they bear his image. Because not all have accepted that adoption into the family of God. So everybody who's out there, they're made in the image of God. They're human beings created by God. But it's not until we make a decision in our lives where we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior through Jesus, we become part of the family of God. We become adopted. We're not born into this family like the Jews are. We're adopted or grafted into this family. Secondly, today, the enemy of what is right. This is the next line we see. Under the influence of Satan, Elemis opposed right with wrong. Instead of being a friend of Jesus, he was an enemy of the cross. And Elemis was much like the enemy in Jesus' parable of the weeds found in Matthew 13, verses 24 to 30. Listen to this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servant asked him, Do you want us to go pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. You see, no one sows weeds into their own field. I do often wonder how I get dandelions on my grass. Maybe I waited too long and they became seed form and started to spread. That's a miracle of God, I think, in most cases. <laughs> Keeps us on our toes. But, you know, no one sows weeds into their own field. He or she only uses seed that produces wheat. And only an enemy would sow weeds among wheat. But in spite of this, we see that the owner of the field had great wisdom and had great foresight and advised the harvesters about how to collect the harvest in the midst of the wheat, in the midst of the weeds. 
In the same manner here, God is advising Saul about how to address the weed named Elemis and the harvest of the proconsul. God has the ability, my friends, to take what was meant for evil and to turn it around, to turn it around for good. Next, we see that he was full of deceit and trickery. Now, Satan had been trying to fool people since the very beginning, and he continues in his efforts to this day. This guy tries to fool us. Now, consider the description of Satan before he approached Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, and listen to what it says. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. The serpent wasn't evil in itself. The devil, Satan, he's evil. And just as Satan possessed the serpent, which is an animal, he also possessed Elemis, a person. So we need to be on guard against Satan's schemes. And he's always scheming. He's always up to no good. And that, this is why the Apostle Paul, he admonished us in Ephesians chapter 6, 11, to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And the same apostle, he admonished something else, something similar in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. For we are not unaware of Satan's schemes. If you want to know what Satan's schemes are, just have a good read through this book called the Bible. And it'll give you a play-by-play of how Satan has been playing his game for years. And you will not be shocked then when Satan moves in your life. You will be well-prepared and you will know his schemes. And you'll be able to counterattack his schemes with the word of God. So remember today that Elemis was a sorcerer and his craft was deceit and trickery. And that is the way Satan tries to mislead us. It's through deceit and trickery. And then fourthly, we see he was a perverter of God's way. Now, Christians were first historically known as those who belonged to the way. That was what their movement was called. It wasn't called Christianity. It was first called the way. According to Paul's conversion testimonies in Acts chapter 9, verse 2, and Acts 22, verse 4. So why is it called the way? It's because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And this was the inspiration for their name. And anyone who is anti-Christ or against Christ is one who goes out of the way to twist the way for people. And Elemis was one of these people. He perverted God's way by opposing the apostles who were on their way. And he perverted God's way by turning, uh, trying to turn the proconsul from following the way. And the Apostle Paul talked about this type of spiritual roadblock in his life and in his ministry. He experienced this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. And he speaks to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. This is what Satan does from people who need the gospel, from people who need to be encouraged and edified. He blocks the way. That's what he does. That's one of his tactics, blocking the way. And this barrier was made up of people who were opposed to the gospel. And so as we reflect, Saul ended his rebuke in a unique way. 
He was not calling down a curse on Elymas. Instead, he received a word of prophecy from the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? The Holy Spirit speaks to us. And how do we know it's prophecy? First, it happened immediately. And second, it happened just as he said it would happen. Thirdly, today, we witness regeneration. We witness regeneration. I'll explain what regeneration is in a few minutes. Verse 12 says, when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. What exactly did the proconsul see? He saw before him men full of the Holy Spirit speaking with great conviction and with spiritual authority. That's what he saw. He also saw a man that was filled with an evil spirit, suddenly confounded by blindness. He also saw that. Then the word of prophecy from the Holy Spirit proved to be stronger than the powers of sorcery from the evil spirit. Let me tell you today that the Holy Spirit is greater than any power in this world. It is the greatest power, and no evil sorcery can match the power of our God. The way forward was made clear in the proconsul. He chose to believe. This was the day of his salvation. This is a good news story. And to be clear, the proconsul did not believe because of the miracle. Many of us might be fooled to think that it was the miracle that, that caused him to finally believe. But friends, a miracle cannot save you. It can only point you in the right direction and point towards Jesus Christ. The proconsul believed because of the teaching that followed the miracle. You know, Saul and Barnabas, along with John Mark, their helper, they were able to teach without spiritual opposition about the Lord Jesus Christ. There was no hindrance to the message. There was no obstacle in the way. The path was made clear, and they preached clearly. In other words... It was all about their presentation of the gospel. And what is the gospel? It is Christ crucified. It is Christ resurrected. It is salvation free of charge. It is salvation not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles, of which you and I are participants. The same gospel that that proconsul received, Sergius Paulus, is the same gospel that you and I receive. What is interesting in this is, is that this very same thing happened to Saul before he was transformed into Paul. Blindness. Now, Paul was not possessed by Satan, but he was misled by his zeal. And he persecuted Christians because he thought they were a threat to Judaism. And what he was doing, he was just protecting what he knew. His eyes hadn't been opened to the way of Jesus. So Luke in Acts 8 verse 8, he tells us that after encountering Jesus, Saul got up from the ground and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. Sounds a bit like Elymas, doesn't it? But thankfully, Paul's eyesight was restored by God through Ananias. But, but what about Elymas? What happened to this guy? Now we are told in advance that Elymas would be blind for a time. That's the caveat, for a time. And we don't have, know how long, but what we do know is that it would not be for the rest of his life. It would not be forever. 
but his physical eyesight would be restored. But what about his spiritual eyes? After this situation, after this experience, would he see Jesus for who he really is? Would he believe the gospel that Saul was sharing with him, that Barnabas was sharing with him? Or would he still deny and walk in sorcery? Elemis was made blind so that the proconsul would see. The proconsul was regenerated. This is the beautiful word which means born again. It means made new. That the old name that you used to have no longer defines you. Your old self is gone and your new self has come. This is what happens when you come to know Jesus. It's like we have two names. Now, most of us don't have two names. We just have one name that we stick to. But the idea is two names for transformation. Who I once was is not who I am anymore. But sometimes the challenge is that though we have a new identity, we still live like we're the old person. Something needs to change. We need to be regenerated like the proconsul was and live in the newness and the born againness that God has for us. This is the first work of the Holy Spirit in a new believer when they come to salvation. As Pastor Phil and the team return to the platform this morning, and as we come to a close, let me ask you a final question. It's a question that I've tried to thread throughout this entire message, a question that I've been pondering and asking myself a lot lately. The question is this, are you a threat to the enemy? Like seriously, are you a threat to the enemy? Some of us might say yes, others might say absolutely not. Here's the the thing that bothers me is that for too long we have been victims of Satan. We have been attacked and attacked and attacked. It's like there's this target on our back and we can't seem to get up. We just fall and fall and fall and we're just the victim of his attacking and his abusive behaviors. You know, we are not a threat to the enemy because we are not full of the Holy Spirit, because we're not rebuking the devil, and we are not sharing the gospel. Let me go back to that for a second. Friends, if you want to be a threat, you better share the gospel. It is due time for us as believers in Jesus to share the gospel with others. That's when you become armed and dangerous in the kingdom. You know, many of us, we just are afraid to rebuke the devil. When you rebuke the devil, that's when you become a threat to the enemy. It's very simple. For some of us, we're not full of the Spirit. We can't become a threat until we become full of the Holy Spirit. So those are some action points for you today. But, you know, some of you might be actually okay with not being a threat. Perhaps it sounds less dangerous to you. I mean, who wants to be battling spiritual powers all the time? Who wants to be in this constant friction and battle and it's unseen? So, you know, you're dealing with powers and principalities that you can't just see in front of you. And so you're doing spiritual warfare warfare all the time. Nobody wants to live that all-consuming life. But here's the thing. We are living in an era of powerless Christianity. Let that sink in today. Let me repeat it. We are living in an era of powerless Christianity. 
And Apostle Paul referred to this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. We have a form of godliness, but we are denying its power. We call ourselves Christians. We go to church on Sunday. We might even go to a small group or some other ministry during the week. But here's the reality. There's no power. Where has all the power gone? We want to avoid and we want to quit the moment we sense resistance. We're afraid of the enemy. We're seeing very few lives changed and transformed. And does that sound like a mission that you want to be a part of? No. Friends, it's time for the church to become a threat again. Can I get an amen in the house today? I know you're listening, but I just need to know you are listening. It's time to take back what has been stolen from us. It is time to see the demons tremble. It is time to see the kingdom of God advance. It is time for us to be full of the Holy Spirit. It is time for us to share the gospel to the rest of the world. It is time to say, not today, Satan, to rebuke him and watch him flee. It's time. It's not next week. It's not next month. It's not next year. The time is right here and right now. So we got to get our lives in order. And we need to do what God is calling us to do. I know the story is not a story particularly of deliverance. It's one about preaching the gospel. But Satan, every time we engage our kingdom assignment, there is Satan waiting for us. And he wants to throw you off your calling. But can I just say today, prophetically over you, church, not today, Satan. Not today. Not over this church. Not over these people. Not over these people online. Not over these people in person. Not today. Not tomorrow. Not ever. Today we rebuke the enemy. We take authority in the strong name of Jesus. No other name. I can't rebuke anybody. Guys, I can't even rebuke an ant. Nothing will happen to it. But Jesus, when we rebuke in the name of Jesus, Jesus' power is showcased for all to see. May this world know that we as Christians at WPA, we are not those who have a form of godliness but deny its power. We are people who have godliness and have power. That's who we are. That's who you are. Step into who God has called you to be. Step into who God has made you to be. Operate in the fullness that he has for you. Not in the little bit, but in the fullness. 